Welcome to the Digital Mindfulness Podcast. I'm Lawrence M. Pofo, and this is episode number nine. Welcome to the Digital Mindfulness Podcast, where experts from around the world share their ideas and insights on the various ways we can create more meaningful and beneficial digital experiences. You'll hear insights and ideas from neuroscientists, user experience designers, TEDsters, psychologists, technology professionals, and other experienced mentors who will share their insights with you. In this episode, I speak to the publisher and author, Margaret Cahill, about the ways blogging can be considered a spiritual praxis. In this fascinating conversation, you'll hear how Margaret used blogging to find her voice, how she helps other people around the world find their voices, what stops other people from becoming vulnerable and sharing more of themselves online, and how blogging literally improved the quality of her physical health. This is a very personal and touching version of the Digital Mindfulness Podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Right, so Margaret, um, thank you so much for coming on the show. um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, So you've just released your book this year, but I was wondering if you can tell the audience a little bit more about yourself. How did blogging become a spiritual practice for you? Well, it didn't start out as a spiritual practice. It started out as necessity, actually. I was diagnosed with mantle cell lymphoma at the end of 2012. And we, between my partner and myself, we seemed to know an awful lot of people. We're both involved in the mind-body-spirit world in publishing. And word spread about my illness. And people were um, phoning in and texting and emailing and everything and it just became absolutely impossible to to keep up with them and we were spending every evening on the phone or texting or it just became horrible we didn't want to talk about cancer anymore and we we just did not want to be having those conversations with people in our own spare time so one of my authors suggested that I start a blog uh, it had actually, I'd had a text one evening from a, a very close friend who was clearly upset because he hadn't been included in the latest update about my treatment. And I got a text late at night saying, I can quite understand that you can't keep up with everybody and I just want you to know that I'm here for you. But the tone of it was obviously that he was very hurt and I was mortified because I didn't want to upset people or leave anybody out. So the next day, this author said, well, why don't you start a blog? And I said, I don't really do the writing. I'm, I'm an editor and I publish other people's stuff. I'm, <laughs> I can't write. And she said, well, of course you can. You know, just give it a go. So I overcame my immense fear of the technology and managed to start a very simple blog at margaretcarhill.wordpress.com. 
and wrote the first entry, which was basically an update just to tell people what had happened to me, what the diagnosis was, what the prognosis was, which was pretty poor, and what the treatment was going to be. And I just hit send and didn't know what would come back. And it was just amazing. I, I put the information on Facebook because I had a Facebook page. I've got several Facebook pages for the company. And I put it on my Facebook page and Stephen emailed some of his people. And all of a sudden, I was getting all these comments back from people all around the world. And then news of it spread and more and more people found out about it. And it turned into the most uplifting, supportive thing I could I could ever have imagined. Um, it, it was really quite stupendous and I found that I was starting to look at each event that happened to me as an opportunity to write about later which really really helped me because instead of jumping down in the pit and being completely depressed and miserable about it and dreading the treatment and hating the hospital and all the things that you, you read about suddenly I, I found a whole new lease of life as a writer and, and I was really enjoying telling everybody about these personalities at the hospital and the crazy radioactive dash across the country because the scanner was broken and you know so that's how it started <laughs> it ended up as a spiritual blog but it started out really just to get information to people that's, that's absolutely amazing and, and I think that I mean it's, it's incredibly brave first of all to just you know put your heart out there online you know and and as much as you know it's it's you've had positive feedback from everybody um there's also the propensity to have obviously negative feedback so i mean it's it's incredibly brave um but my question is how you know did, would, how could you have been so 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 vulnerable to do that did you know that you would get such positive feedback from people no, I was terrified. <laughs> I, I had no idea when I'd be writing or how often I would be writing. All I knew is that after I wrote that first blog, I thought, I really like this. And there was because there was distance, I think I just kind of trusted. At that point, when you're diagnosed with something like cancer, you really feel that you've been hit by a brick. And I think all of your normal standards and the way that you would measure things, it just all goes really out the window. You are so at sea. And I think I, I leapt in with both feet to continue the analogy and just trusted that the right thing would come back. And it did. And I think that's what gave me the strength to carry on and to write some more. And after about two or three blogs, I really felt as if I was writing for like my readers, which sounds really full of ego. But it gave me something to write for because even if only two people were out there reading it, and I knew there were a lot more than that, but even if there were only two or three people reading it, it was somebody who was reading it who was empathizing with me. And that gave me the courage, I think, to open up. And I didn't open up straight away. It did take a while to, to really start getting into what was going on in my head because I didn't trust it with myself, let alone anybody else. How did you come then to find your voice through, through the blogging? I think it was in, through the characters. Uh, there, there were some stunning characters. and Anybody who reads the book will probably fall in love with Dot straight away. Um, she manages the the food, the tea rounds and breakfasts and uh, up to lunchtime, then she goes off duty. 
And initially, she absolutely terrified me. She's about four foot ten inches high, and I used to say that she ruled with an iron fist and an iron glove because there didn't appear to be any softness about her at all, and she terrified me. But as I was in there more and more, and I saw what an incredibly generous, loving, kind person she is, my pers- the way I-, I described her as a person on a blog also rounded up rounded out and people would be putting comments like you know say hi say hi to dot for us oh. and really weird things like that so i'd be saying I'd, when i went to the treatment i'd be saying to her um oh, i'm going to be writing a blog about this and she's really am i in it i said well, of course you are you know and some people have said hi and she said really <laughs> <laughs> oh we'll say hi back then so it actually became an interactive thing and i could talk about the personalities and i could talk about the frustrations which helped me to deal with them and and that pulled me on and on and on because you know I would have one treatment and then I'd find out that I wanted to take some supplements and then I'd write about how the supplements helped me feel and it became my story but I was telling it for the benefit of other people too because by that stage other people were coming on and saying well actually my friend stroke lover stroke husband whatever is also suffering and what you're telling us is really helping you so then I felt as if I was giving something back for their support if you see what I mean mm. that's, that's, that's really amazing like and the way that through your story other people are finding support as well and, and knowledge to go and help their loved ones as well could you share um, just that of course that's one way that people are getting help but could you share just the different ways that people um, have managed to find help and support through through your blogging <laughs> Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things has been that people have had the courage to talk to their friends or whoever it is they know and be more open with them. I didn't intend it to be that way, but the way that I write appears to be open-hearted and with my heart on my sleeve. And I really was telling it like it was, like dislocating my jaw when I was throwing up and things like that. And because people had read that, I think they weren't quite so frightened of having those conversations with their loved ones. They could almost come at it from a point of knowledge or even use, I think some people were saying they were even using my blog as a starting point. I read this the other day about somebody who's going through a similar experience as you and she said that da-da-da-da-da. And people were saying that kind of thing. There was also my resistance to giving in to the idea that I was ill. That was a popular one. Because people talk about my cancer and my journey and my disease, and I never did that. I, I never owned it, and I still don't. And my attitude was that I walked in the door for the health club and ended up in a cancer ward. And it was completely wrong, and I didn't think I should be there. And I think that also helped me to stay distant, and that encouraged other people to do that too. They didn't have to be swamped by the... Um, the lack of personal power that you get once you get into a hospital system and certainly once you get into chemotherapy. Mm. And and there was also the practical stuff. I was very lucky and still am very lucky to have a friend who is an extremely good nutritionist and Swamiji who is a spiritual friend. Uh, she's been a friend for a long time, like my surrogate mother really. And she, when I was going in for the chemotherapy, she... Uh, said well you are going to probably want to take some stuff but you know listen to what your body says when you come out and then we'll decide what you need to take don't just take stuff you know willy-nilly 
So I wrote a very emotional blog when I came out because I felt so horrible. And I think I said, I sat and listened to my body and my body screamed. And it was awful. And I and I phoned her and said, my mouth feels horrible and, you know, this is going on and that's going on. So she started recommending things and the vitamin A drops, they're, they're probably the stars of the show. They're the star of the book, basically. It's not me, it's about vitamin A drops. <laughs> Wow. Um, gosh, there's, there's just so much. I want to kind of unpack it in all of that. Um, but I love the way that you've spoken about how blogging created a kind of a distance between mm. yourself and, and the cancer and, and it, it, it helped you to distance. Um, could you just elaborate on that a little bit more? Because I think that's a really great concept. Yes, I think... I'm, I've always been an advocate of, of talking therapies. I think they always help a bit just to actually get something, air something out. And I, I think that when you're on the drip and it's the, the, the chemo I had was extremely unpleasant because it went on all day on and off. So I would start it early in the morning and then I'd get various breaks through the day and I would still be on it at one o'clock next morning in three hour segments. And I think it's very easy to disappear into your own head. And I had many, many, many dark nights of the soul. And if I hadn't have had the blog, I, I, I really don't know how I would have got through it because it was a way of airing what was going on. And because I was writing about it and I was kind of honing the blog, I, I didn't... They came up kind of fully formed. It was a bit like it felt like channeling in a way. Um, but I would I would read them back and just make sure that's what I wanted to say. And that was almost like editing. That was almost like the day job. You know, do I really want to say that? And so I almost became like an observer in my own life, and that created the distance. And I think that's what really helped. Mm. And like I said, and you were saying before, you know, with that distance, then you were able to bring in other characters into that story yeah it became like um it really did become like a story and and there was some there were some really sublimely stupid moments you know when it are oh, i mean when you look at some of the things i said i mean i look i look back at them and just laugh Thing, things like the lovely lady that i was sharing with who was just when she said i think i'm going to have a juve day today like, what <laughs> i just stored that one away i thought that's got to come out and then, you know, the student nurse who wanted to disturb her, to weigh her, when she'd only just got back into bed and got to sleep. And I was furious. And because I knew that that fury was being um, relayed to other people, that, that gave me confidence in my storytelling. And so the whole of my cancer experience, in terms of me rather than other people, that's why I say my, not because I'm owning it, but the, the, my experience having cancer was different from other people's because I was telling people about it and I was being very, very open. And I think that's, I really, really encourage people to do that. Don't keep it all inside and locked in your head with all the fears. Just talk about it, be open. And if people want to ask you about it, and just be brave because people want to help and that's the way they can support you. It's, um, I mean, this, this kind of like goes really nicely into my next question because it's not every day that we hear about the positive side of social networking. I think in the media very often we hear about um, the really negative things. We hear about cyberbullying. We hear about um, how people are spending way too much time online. But 
actually what you you know what you're advocating is not only um, is blogging and spending time communicating um, this, your 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 experience through this not only was that helpful um, but also being vulnerable and being open um, mm. really helped you physically absolutely there's one thing I'd really like to share that I think is incredibly important here. I was lucky enough to be invited to join a group that's a private group on Facebook that's run by Anita Morjani, and it's uh, who wrote Dying to Be Me, and she's a fabulous woman, and she started the group after she recovered from lymphoma. Um, you can go and read the book, but she's an astounding woman. And she started the group for people who are suffering from cancer or have lost somebody to cancer and for the families of the people who were in the group but have sadly moved on. And I've always found that group over the last couple of years has been immensely supportive. But there was one thing which rocked all of us a couple of weeks ago. There's a lady who, she was called Margit and she was using the group as a kind of a blog. So she was doing a very similar thing to me and coming back from treatment. And she she's, was Hungarian, but her English was very good, but it was just one step removed from being completely fluent. So she absolutely wrote from the heart. And there would be loads and loads and loads of it. And her words were so stirring. I used to finish reading each section in tears. She started out, she had... Um, I think the cancer ended up in her lungs. I'm not really sure of the beginning of her story. But it started out, um, they thought they were going to be able to cure it, and it ended up in her lungs. And she was being told that she would be able to do less and less. And she fought against this. And she took herself for long walks every day, and she absolutely insisted that she could get further than the doctor said that she would be able to get. And she used a whole lot of... She inspired all of us to try so many different things, medical qigong being one of them. And she, she wrote about this and that she wasn't ready to leave and that she had children and a husband and she was going to live her life, etc. And then some kind of change happened and she wasn't making the progress and she started to find it difficult to breathe. And she was really fighting against this and she said, I'm not ready to go back home yet. I want to stay here. Mm. And of course, everybody's encouraging her. And we're all saying, Margie, you're just the most amazing, bright soul and you will be fine wherever you go, whatever you do, you're, you're going to be amazing. Because she, she made us feel like that. And then she started to go downhill very, very quickly. And one day she put a post up saying that I know that all of you are going to think that I'm mad, but I think I'm actually ready to return to the source. And she wrote the most beautiful, beautiful post. And there were like 50, 60 people making comments on it, most of us in tears. And she went downhill very, very quickly, and she soon put a post up saying that because it was so difficult for her family, that she was going to be going into a hospice. And she went into the hospice, and a couple of days later she died. And her utter grace, was astounding both in living and in dying and we all followed her right to the last bit and it was just amazing we were all in shock when she died I I looked at Facebook on the Saturday morning and I saw that she died and I just spent the whole day crying because she showed the utmost grace she showed how to live and how to how to die and I wouldn't have seen any of that 
if it wasn't for that Facebook group. Wow, that, uh, <laughs> that, that's sorry, that was a, that was extremely powerful and moving. Um, and and you're right, you know, if it if it wasn't for that Facebook platform, I mean, like you say, she's Hungarian mm. as well, you know that those bonds wouldn't have been able to to form. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, one thing, and I guess this is your opinion. I'm, I'm after, but um, do you then believe? And I guess the answer is in the affirmative that real, profound, meaningful bonds can be created through social networking. Yes, I think if you ignore all the difficulties that are inherent in social networking, like with children being groomed and all of that nasty side of it, if you can put that to one side and look at the incredibly positive bonds that can be formed then absolutely definitely because all of these people in Anita's group wouldn't be in contact if it wasn't for her and for her setting it up and it's a group where you can you can go on and say absolutely anything you think that my blog's vulnerable and open this group is just astounding you know I've seen people go on at two o'clock in the morning because they can't sleep because they haven't got anybody to talk to and they are really really scared about what's happening to them and how they're going to die and is it going to hurt and people come on and there's always somebody awake somewhere around the world because it's global there's somebody there for you it's a little bit like Samaritans I suppose in a way you know what the Samaritans used to do you didn't have to go to the Samaritans you could phone a number you still can phone a number and there'll be a person there and I would say that in those kind of groups like Anita's group you can get lots and lots and lots of support all around the world at any time of the day and I think that's really really positive would you say that the that the bonds that people thought that you can form online are different to to the physical, um, the in person bonds, or mm. or are they just are they just different? No, I think they are different, and they're far more cerebral because the people that go on there tend to be the ones who can articulate their emotions. And um, because I love writing, well, I discovered that I love writing. I I get an, an immense release when I can say something that's really dear to my heart and I'm not actually having to face somebody because I know that I would cry. I, I actually, apart from the people, my, the very close people around me that I love, I actually prefer the distance because in a way I feel I can be more me because I don't have to actually face somebody and lose the plot by crying or going red or or you have to be somebody you, face to face you have a presence whereas on a blog or on an internet connection it's a completely different energy and your intellect can just fly and I love that and I guess then you know for somebody who isn't as communicative with words um, can then read your words where you've been so honest and so vulnerable and you know kind of connect with you that way mm. and then they may be like more able to kind of um, interrogate their own experience um, yeah. through your words. Yeah, I've, I've had several people come on and also contact me um, separately who wanted to do exactly that because they've said things like, I could never put anything on the blog because I'm not as articulate as you. And I said, but of course you can because we're all in this together. 
you know, there's, there's, there's no judgment about how anybody writes. And that's, you know, one going back to Anita's group again, you know, there's people from all countries around the world and some of them come on and apologize for their poor English, but they've got the courage to say what they're thinking. So I, I think genuinely, if your heart's in the right place and the platform is the right place, I think that's quite key so that you don't get people going on who, who can upset the balance. That's, I'd, I'd say that's important, actually, with these platforms, that you have to have some kind of moderator. You can't have a free-for-all. You need somebody to kind of watch it from afar and every so often say, OK, people, let's just bring it back to where we want it to be. Let's remember what our focus is, you know. Mm. Mm. Like I say, someone who, can, um, who knows what has an overarching view of what the group dynamics are and can, yeah, mm. and can moderate those. Have you ever had to deal with the negative side? of social networking such as trolling or cyberbullying at all only a little bit when i was a couple of months ago i was putting stuff up about i feel very very strongly about monsanto and gmo food mm. and the way that our food is messed around with and the way that a lot of the food in the shops isn't actually proper food anymore it's just full of chemicals and i was posting something about Monsanto, I think it was, and some figures that had come out. And this, this person who I'd noticed that he kept coming on and being quite negative when I posted something. And he came on and he said something to the effect of, well, it's the best way to keep the population under control. And I was absolutely horrified. And I showed it to Stephen and I said, am I, I was so shocked. I said, am I, am I reading this correctly? Is he actually advocating what Monsanto do? Because they know that it's killing people and that cancer is a way of keeping the population numbers down. And he said, yes, he is saying that. So then I, I got in touch with um, another um, astrologer, actually, who I knew because it shows who your mutual friends are, doesn't it? And mm. so I got in touch with this guy who's actually one of my authors. And I said, have you had problems with this bloke being really negative? Because I wanted to absolutely savage him. Mm. I wanted to just tear him to shreds. I was so angry. Um, and Martin said, well, yes, I've had a few problems with him too. Just, uh, just block him. So I did. I unfriended him and I don't have to see that anymore. But certainly when something very political is going on, you get people who can be quite nasty. And if they are nasty and they're not on my wavelengths, then I do block them. Only if they're nasty. Obviously, if they're not on my wavelength and we can have a sensible discussion, that's, that's fine. But at least you can block people. That's, that's the most I've had. And somebody put a nasty um, thing on my blog as well, a nasty comment about the people who said something really horrible it's about the, the boneheads who are making weird comments on here or something. And and I really thought twice about, should I leave the comment on and reply to it so people can see that I do moderate this, or should I just delete it? And in the end, I decided to leave it on. And I, I wrote back to him and said, please don't ever visit my blog again. These people are very dear supporters who are helping me to get through the worst experience of my life, so goodbye or something like that. And a few people came on and said, good, you know, glad you got rid of him. So I'm pleased I left it on. Did he ever come back? No. Wise bloke. Because <laughs> <laughs> I really would have had a go. <laughs> so, um, so, Margaret, um, in your opinion, do you think, actually, that um, technology itself can help make people more 
um, I guess, like more mindful or conscious of their experiences? Or do you think actually it was more, do you think the technology was more a vessel for you to express what was already you? No, I, I agree with your first statement because on lots of levels, uh, even like really, really simple little apps, and I don't know if that's what you mean, but um, one of the things that I've got is a lotus bud tone on my phone, a mindfulness tone, which we set off when we're at work. So it goes off at random intervals and we just take a pause and take three nice big breaths and then get back on with work again. And we find at the end of the day that we're a lot more relaxed than if we don't do it. And that's just a very small example. Another example is, I can't remember how I found out about it, but one of the things that really helped me get through chemo in the, in the dark nights was a beautiful flash mob meditation video I found on YouTube. It's the, but the bell, the, the over track of it is the, or the soundtrack of it is the bell chant with Thich Nhat Hanh speaking over the top of it. And it's actually people who, there's a flash mob meditation on 21st of June in Trafalgar Square several years ago. And it's only seven and a half seconds long. And every time I was feeling panicky or depressed or was on my own and didn't know what to do with my thoughts in a hospital, I would just play this so many times because it's so beautiful. And I shared it on the blog as well. And I wouldn't have had access to that. So I, I think if, if, you, if you go looking for the right thing, once you get into this mode of I can find something positive and good, then you actually find really lovely things. Mm. Mm. Does well, it answer your question? It does. It? No, that, that was great. That was great. And I kind of, it leads me back to um, the description you were telling me, you were saying about the, um, about the community, the Facebook community. And mm. I really like that idea that you were helping other people who maybe weren't as communicative you were helping them to share their experiences and um and i really kind of want to touch on that like kind of you using this you know using facebook and this social networking platform as um, um as a way to help people find their own voice and mm. i think that i think that's a i think that's a really great thing um that you're helping people to do even for people um whose first language is not english mm. Yeah, because I think what happens on a group specifically like that is that it's okay to show your emotions and however bad your English is, uh, people, because they see what, what other people like Margit write, and I don't tend to put a huge amounts on there because I've got the blog, so I'm, I'm quite lucky. Um, I do put a few things on, but I've, I, I think I opened my heart up completely a couple of times saying how scared I was. And everybody on there is scared. As, as soon as people put stuff up about being in tears or being scared or, or whatever, there's such a massive wellspring of, report, of support. And it's often only one-liners. It's just knowing that somebody out there knows exactly how you feel. There was a lady came on last week because she's got breast cancer and she couldn't stop. She's obviously got a wound. I, I think with breast cancer, it gets to a certain stage where it actually weeps out of the skin. And she was very scared and she was at home and she didn't know what to do. And she obviously hasn't got anybody else that she can ask. I don't know which country she was in, I can't remember. She wasn't, she wasn't English. And so she, she got some lovely support from people just being there for her and saying, okay, so calm down, so what you need to do is, you know, put a pad on it and 
phone your your support number, you know, your your cancer ward or whatever, and you probably need to get somebody to look at it. And so she got support just from going on there in broken English and being able to say what she was scared about. And I, I just think that's absolutely amazing. That's so lovely. Wow. Um, so would you say then, Margaret, that kind of the combination of, of this amazing community that you have and and blogging itself and you know, all doing it regularly as well. Do you think that all of this has helped you physically? Yes, it has, because I've enjoyed sharing the things that I've discovered on a physical level. There's an awful lot of things on my VITS tips and resources page that I accumulated. And on a physical level, sharing those things helped me to also, like I was testing things out on myself and thinking, hey, that works, so I'm going to talk about that. So on a very sort of mundane level, it it was actually helping me to be healthier um, and, and be able to share the things that I was trying and being encouraged to share things because people were also telling me about stuff. People came on, they were talking about pomegranate juice, they were talking about wheatgrass protein, and so on, on a real day-to-day level, I was also getting advice from other people who were going through treatment and trying to support their systems through the toxicity of chemotherapy. So, yes, absolutely, definitely. But I think because I was also, my spiritual development was happening at a faster rate because of the things I was sharing in other parts of the blog, that helped me feel stronger physically too because if you nurture the spirit and the soul, then obviously it helps to nurture your physical body. So, so Margaret, I know you've got this amazing blog and you've just released, <laughs> just released this book as well. Um, but you're branching out, you're, you're kind of going to other social media platforms. So I'm just interested to know, like, what is your um, kind of favourite technology at the moment that's, that's kind of helping, again, this, this um, um, blogging or being on technology as a spiritual process? I have a sense of an element of frustration, especially now that the book's out, um, because I wanted to be able to bring everything together that I was talking about. I think somebody actually asked me about a video or something that I shared, and it took me absolutely ages to find it. And I was, I thought this is really silly because Facebook, while it's as good as good as far as it goes it's very very difficult to find something that even you've posted you have to scroll back through loads of stuff and then it may or may not be there and I heard about Pinterest through an article in the Times a couple of weeks ago which was some ladies who were writing about clean food and they completely got going on Pinterest which I hadn't really heard about much before so I started exploring it and I like the idea that you can have several notice, you have your profile and then you have several notice boards and you can give each notice board a name and then you pin stuff on the notice board which is either your own or what you have found anywhere else. So it goes across all different platforms. If you see something on Facebook and you want to pin it on your notice board, then you can. So then I, I started, it's only two days old so there's not a huge amount on it. But I've got a chemotherapy survival page. I've got um, easy recipes from the undercover kitchen, which is my attempt at cookery. And there's also uplifting time moments and fun things where I've put, I've put the link to that 
flash mob meditation. And there's another page which is uh, food and chemicals. And I'm enjoying that because I can bring everything together and, and have a sense of identity. This is, this is like who I am and this is what I care about. And I'm storing all of these things which are carefully vetted and monitored because I'm not going to put rubbish there. And I'm really enjoying that. It's hurting the brain cells somewhat. <laughs> I'm not finding it very easy. <laughs> oh, okay. So, um, so I guess it's just as the penultimate question. What one piece of advice would you give to, um, to people if they were thinking of using social media or blogging as a means of creating a meaningful or beneficial digital experience? What one piece of advice would you, would you give to them? I think there's a, there's a different thing. There's going out and looking for stuff and joining groups and ending up in something like an eaters group. Or there's starting your own thing, which is writing the blog, which is like a personal release, and you just have to wait to see where the path leads you and what comes out of it. I'm not sure that there's one answer. I think it depends on what, what, their, what their need is. I, th- I think the Internet is a huge resource, and you can find some truly wonderful stuff there equally if you've got, cert- if you've got a certain number of people that you can you think will read it or they'll be interested in your blog. So you're not writing it for completely nobody. You know, that's very heartwarming. So I'd say just do it, especially for the blog. Just It's very, very easy to start. It must be if I could do it. And and just go and do it and have the courage to write and share and, you know, just be really heartwarmed at the things that come back. Fantastic. Um, well, um I'm I'm just about done with with um, um, with the questions. This was absolutely amazing conversation. Um, is there anything that that you would like to share with the audience that I haven't that I haven't asked and you haven't covered? Um, I think the one thing I actually saw my consultant yesterday, which was great, and I haven't got to go back for six months, and my blood tests are all great, so that's um, a huge relief. <laughs> that's really nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, but but I, I gave him a copy of the book when it first came out. And I also gave the book to somebody else who's part of the hospital, in fact, two or three people there. And when I started talking to him, he was really pleased to realize that there were other people within the hospital reading it. And that also somebody who's now one of his patients was referred to me just for chat by somebody who had shared the experience on the blog. So you never know where this is going to end. It's just like you don't know who's going to read a blog. You you don't know what's coming back. I would never have imagined when I wrote that first blog that I'd be talking to you and that I'd have a book out and that I'm being asked to give talks and people are phoning me to sort of get a little bit of courage to, to go in for their chemo. You know, that's that's very humbling and I feel really really blessed obviously I would prefer not to have had five cycles of chemotherapy and stem cell transplant to feel blessed but I do at the end of it all I just feel incredibly blessed fantastic well Margaret thank thank you so much um, for your insight and sharing your experiences with us Um, I for one am really grateful Um, where can people find out more about you and your work uh, if they go to my, my WordPress account, that's probably the best thing to start with. If they go to margaretcarhill.wordpress.com, 
and that's spelled Carhill, C-A-H-I-L-L.wordpress.com. And there's various areas there, and there's also a contact link. So they can listen to my radio interviews and watch the YouTube video and contact me if they want to, and they can comment on any of the blogs that are up. I think there's 59 now. <laughs> but thank you for the opportunity to talk. It's, it's really lovely. Thank you so much. No, thank you for coming on. And, and yes, I'll put, I'll put up links to to your book and everything that you've just mentioned on the show notes. And yeah, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Using digital technology to find your voice and motivate other people to do so is incredibly inspiring and something I hope everybody finds the strength to do. All of the links to the references Margaret and I spoke about will be on the show notes. Remember, if you like what you hear, leave a five-star rating for us in iTunes or Stitcher, as this helps people to find the information they need quicker. Until the next show, stay safe, and we'll be back with more amazing guests.